Okay, hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. It is episode 50. So exciting. I can't believe I made it to 50. I read something one time, and I'm not sure if this is actually true, but um, most podcasts last on average seven episodes before the person gives up and, and quits. So I am so proud and excited to have made it here to 50 episodes, you know, doing this podcast on my own. I started it in the spring of 2019. It was, you know, I had moved to a new city. I was, you know, working a new job and I, I wanted to find an outlet that I could talk about sports and pursue a passion of mine uh, on the side when I was working this full-time job. And I'm excited that, you know, over, let's see, almost two and a couple, two years and a couple months later, uh, I'm still doing it. So that's super exciting. And I just encourage anyone who you know, has an idea of something that they want to pursue on the side, like a podcast or something like that, to just start doing it. Um, It's the hardest part is just starting. And if you're really passionate about it and really enjoy what you're doing, then it's going to be easy and it's always going to be a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun with this. um, And thanks to everyone who listens. Keep sharing it with your friends, co-workers, family, anyone who's into Cleveland sports. I would love to have them on board listening. Um, I'm definitely trying to do a better job myself of promoting the podcast on social media and opening it up to a, a wider audience. So um, definitely share, rate, review, all those great things. Um all right, so we're going to get into the topics today. Got kind of a, a mixed bucket of topics here, but I do want to start off with the schedule release uh, because that happened, was that a week or so ago now? Um, so exciting to have this like, the NFL is crazy because people care so much about football and I don't think any other league could have a full show on at night around the schedule release where people are breaking it down and analyzing it and there's a lot of build-up to it. It just shows how powerful football is and how much people really care about it because um, I was watching watching different coverage all night and looking at the different social media accounts for the teams and the funny stuff that they were putting out there and I just don't think any other league could do it the way the NFL does because people love it. But we do have the Browns schedule now, and a couple things I wanted to, to talk about with it. Um, obviously, week one, we have Kansas City. It is not a primetime game, but I'm actually okay with that. I, I had mentioned this on social media recently, but I really, really love just like either the one o'clock or four o'clock slot for a Browns game. I don't like primetime games. I don't want to be up late on a Sunday or a Monday night or even a Thursday night watching. Thursday I could handle a little more. It's the Sunday and Monday night that get get a little rough um, and it really just puts a dent into your week. I think 1 p.m. is the best for having a good time, drinking, all that good stuff. Um, and so I'm kind of glad that game is not a primetime game. I believe it's a 425 game, I want to say. Um, so I think that is a perfect scenario for us, uh, in week one because 
that is probably the toughest matchup we have all season. There is a lot of pressure on the Cleveland Browns right now to produce this season, and I think this week one game will manage expectations. If we win, it's like, great, we are on the right track, we're doing the right things. If we lose, then it's still okay because... You know, it's the best, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're one of the best teams in the league. They just were in the Super Bowl last year. So it's not the end of the world and we don't have to, you know, feel like all hope is lost if we aren't able to pull that game out. Um, and just giving us a challenge week one, you know, I think it's it's important to face adversity throughout the season. So I am definitely um, okay with that as our week one matchup. The really weird thing that we have in our schedule this year are the back-to-back Ravens games. Now, they are separated with a bye week, but we do play our home and away against them, you know, pretty much back-to-back. They play the Steelers in between um, when we have our bye week. The Ravens are facing the Steelers. Um, This is, it's an interesting timing to have those games. I'm a little nervous for those because we just have not been able to play well against the Ravens. I mean, we did play well against them in um, the Monday night football game this past season. Obviously, we did end up losing that game and in our home opener last year against them. I think it was home, uh, but our first game against them last year, we obviously got destroyed completely. It was horrible, and we just cannot seem to get out a win against them. Um, so I would love to be able to, to beat them in at least one of the matchup this, matchups against them this season, but it's very weird, uh, that we play them two weeks in a row on our schedule. Uh, I saw a crazy statistic about how that just has not happened like that before, um, or it's been a really long time since something like that has happened in a schedule. Uh, but overall, we do we have a pretty tough schedule. My prediction is somewhere around thirteen and four, which would be a you know a good case scenario for us. But interestingly, our division has some of the overall toughest schedules in the entire league. The Steelers have the hardest schedule in the NFL this coming season, followed by the Ravens. Uh, then the Bengals are sitting at the fifth toughest schedule, and we are sitting at nine. Uh, I mean. Our division is tough in itself because we had three teams who made the playoffs last year, um, and obviously the Bengals have made a, a lot of improvements this offseason. I think they're going to be a little bit better as long as Joe Burrow is able to stay healthy for them. Uh, but, I mean, that's pretty crazy to see all all four of our teams in the top ten hardest schedules this season. Obviously, we've got Kansas City on there. We've got Green Bay, who... I mean, who knows what's happening at this point. I know Aaron Rodgers has not been showing up to um, some of their their summer stuff recently that just started up. So that'll be interesting to see if he ever shows up or if he's truly done there in Green Bay because I think that will obviously affect how good they are as a team. Um, But if he is there, that will definitely be a hard game for us, even though it's not till um, much later in the season. You know, Pittsburgh matchups are always hard just because the rivalry is there. We've got the Chargers, who are a team that's kind of on the up and up with, you know, their quarterback, who was rookie of the year last year. They're definitely um, on the rise. We have 
um, Chicago in week three, which I don't know if Justin Fields will be playing at that point or not. I'm not quite sure what their plans are, uh, but that could be an interesting game. Week six, Arizona, another tough matchup. Uh, week seven, Denver, another tough matchup. Um, and they could potentially, I know I mentioned last episode, a lot of talks about how maybe they could be a good landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, so that could be interesting. We've got New England, who made a million changes this offseason uh, and could end up being a decent team this year. I'm not really sure what they're going to look like, but I feel like they could give us some more trouble than maybe we're expecting. So we, we have some challenging matchups on the board, which is really different than last season, having one of the easiest schedules in the league and, and playing a lot of you know, more garbage teams. I know we played Jets, Eagles, Giants. Well, the Jets, we did end up losing that game. So I don't even want to talk about that as it being a, a garbage schedule because we had some obviously COVID issues at that time, but um, much tougher schedule this year. So we're going to have to really step up our game, um, but it's exciting to have those dates on the board and just picture what, what it's going to be like to be downtown and in the Muni lot watching those games. Uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, so I wanted to move on now to uh, Julio Jones uh, to stay in the NFL area because uh, right before I started recording this podcast, it's around uh, two o'clock right now on Monday as I'm recording it. And I saw some clips from earlier this morning of Shannon Sharp calling Julio Jones on his show. And I don't think Julio knew that he was on the air when he was speaking um, because Shannon didn't let him know that until very late into the conversation. And maybe Julio would have not said so much, but it is pretty clear at this point now that he is not going to be in Atlanta this coming season. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk about that happening potentially, but it seems pretty concrete now just from the reports we're hearing that he actually did ask for a trade uh, a couple weeks or even months ago. So these conversations have been happening, but uh, Shannon really got him to put it way out there. And ooh, I don't know, I was like cringing watching it because I just don't think Julio knew he was on the air, which is an uncomfortable thing to watch. And how can you trust Shannon now if you you were in that situation? You never want to tell him anything on the phone because you have no idea if he's, he's playing you or not by putting you on the air. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Uh, I guess the Falcons have said they would rather not keep him in their, you know, division and, and conference specifically, but um, they're open to anything. I think they're hoping to get a first round draft pick out of it, but we'll see because he is a little bit later in his career. But I mean, he's also such a such a talent and could be a really great piece for a team that's already contending and just needs to add a little more firepower. Uh, I know there's been some talk about potential trades that the Browns could make to get him, um, which could be interesting. I'm definitely not against it because Julio is, uh, you can't deny that he's a great receiver. And I think this is an issue that I'm seeing with some Browns fans and I think this is a this is a recent issue we're having because we are so used to clearing house every single year, getting rid of everyone, getting new people, and this is really the first time that 
we've been able to build an attachment and a relationship with some of our players that have been with us for a couple of years or even guys who started with us last season and were a part of that great season. We feel so attached to them and we really do love them and love having them in Cleveland. But sometimes that clouds our judgment as fans where we think we have the number one guy at every single position, which is just simply not true. We have a great team and I'm very excited about our roster, but sometimes I see it all the time on social media. There are Browns fans that act like we cannot make a single move or a single change to our roster because they love who we have so much. Um, and I'm not saying that like 100% we should trade and get Julio, but Julio's a great player and you do have to consider it and you do have to sometimes take off your you know, rose-colored glasses that you're looking at our players with uh, and really think about where they stand in comparison to other players in the league, what they bring to the team. Could someone else bring something better to the team? That is something you do have to think about, and I know it's hard because we are so attached to them, and we've never had the opportunity to get attached to anyone because, like I said, we used to clean house all the time, and we never were able to really fall in love with these players. And now that we have, it's hard to part ways with them, but sometimes it is the right move, and sometimes it is what you have to do to win games. So I think it's just important to keep that perspective even when you do love someone so much. Um, I get it. I'm there too, and I have to check myself all the time and be like, hey, do, are you just looking at this guy because you know you love having him on the Browns and he was fun to watch last year, or are you being realistic with where he stands in comparison to other players that we could get or could potentially have on the field this coming season? Uh, so we'll see what happens, but um, definitely fun fun conversations to have and Julio on the air. It was a wild time watching it. Okay, so I want to quickly just touch on something last football topic before I get into playoff basketball and the PGA Championship. So recently on um, ESPN Cleveland Radio, they were had some interesting conversations about CTE and just the lasting effect that football has on these players. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I really hear people call, especially football players, greedy all the time with money and contracts and those kinds of things. But I don't think people quite realize how much these players are sacrificing uh, every minute that they play uh, on the field. In practice, in games, and everything, they are quite literally knowingly taking years off their life, years away from their family, from their kids. They have no idea how long their career is going to last either, so there's a lot of uncertainty there. So I really never blame anyone for trying to get the most out of a contract or, you know, trying to get a little bit of extra money so that they can take care of the people in their life, you know, whoever it is, their friends, their family, their children, whoever they need to take care of because they don't know how long they're going to be able to make that money. And a lot of them have just such a lesser quality of life than the your average human being. It's like they got in multiple car accidents or something. You've heard that comparison before on what CTE is is inside a person and how it affects your brain and it's like you've done so much damage to it. And, you know, I've mentioned before I used to 
work at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and I had, you know, the great opportunity of speaking with a lot of Hall of Famers and just getting to ask them different questions. And I mean, you could really sometimes speaking to them, you could see the damage that's been done to them just in your conversations. You can tell, uh, especially the old school guys who, you know, we didn't know as much scientifically as we do today. Uh, and we can do a little bit more preve- preventative measures, but at the time they weren't really doing anything at all. And you can see the damage that's been done to them. And it's really sad. And I talked to a lot of Hall of Famers who said they would never let their children play football or they wouldn't let them play till much later in their lives because taking all those unnecessary hits is not healthy uh, and it's not good for you and it, it truly affects your life long term. So. I think about them often in in those conversations, especially when people talk about football players in the sense that they say they are greedy. Um, And I just think they're trying to get as much out of... They might only have one contract in the league ever. People don't always last, you know, 15 years in the NFL. That is uncommon. That is an outlier to last that long in the NFL. So there's people trying to get as much as they can out of one contract because they know... It's going to be harder for them to maybe do certain jobs after they're done with football because of the damage that's been done to their brain. They know that their quality of life is going to be affected overall, and they want to take care of the people in their life while they can. So I blame no one for for trying to take care of those people and do the best they can. So I just wanted to say that because I've been thinking about that a lot recently and just my experience with the Hall of Famers that I met. Okay, so... Now let's get into the PGA Championship. Phil, man, Phil winning. That was that was pretty crazy. So now he is the, I guess, the oldest person to ever win a major tournament. I think that was the the fact. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what the the, the stat was there. But man, was it fun to watch him on those last couple holes and the way people crowded around him. Honestly, it was giving me a lot of anxiety how close some of those fans were getting to him. Like, give the guy some space. How is he supposed to make these make these shots if you are, you know, one inch away from him? Like, let him breathe. But it was fun to see that many people at a tournament. We're really starting to see sporting events overall filling back up. You've been seeing that in playoff basketball as well. A lot more fans. Um, MLB games, seeing more fans as well. It's really exciting that we're getting to that place where um, you can feel the energy in you know the arena or on the course again. It feels great, but um, fun watching Phil win that. It was kind of emotional uh, just seeing him standing there at the end and the way people reacted and and followed him around um on the course it was it was fun to watch and it just i guess the in the sentimental way it shows that you should never give up on on something that you love doing even as you age and maybe people tell you your time has passed it might not have and he he kept going and kept playing and he was able to pull it out but Um, Like I said, so fun watching the fans there. That just brought me a lot of joy in general, um, which then takes me into playoff basketball. Um, Obviously, we're we're through the playing games now and into the first technical round of the playoffs now. And I still can't quite decide how I feel overall about the playing games. Um, I think most of them were not that entertaining, but 
the one that was obviously highly entertaining was the Lakers-Warriors playing game. I think when the league was planning to have these playing games, that's something that they were hoping would happen would be a game like that, um, an exciting close game that really came down to the wire. And of course, LeBron drained a 34-foot three-pointer over Steph Curry um, to take a lead with, I don't even know how many seconds were left on the clock, but not too much, you know, the the shot clock was expiring. It was just such a great moment. And LeBron had not played a fantastic game leading up to that point. I think he he's probably still feeling some effects of his ankle injury, um, but kind of just pushing through it. And he didn't look great, but he made it happen when it mattered most. And it was funny to hear Steph talk in the press conference uh, after the game saying, I saw something just like this before five years ago or back in um, 2016 when Kyrie hit that shot over him. So it always feels good to have, you know, LeBron or even though he's not on the Cavs anymore, still love him in my heart and soul that he could do something like that to the Warriors. It just feels good and brings back good memories of the 2016 season and the championship run. Um, but like I said, it was fun watching fans um, in some of these games, too, in the playoffs. And we'll see. I, the Lakers actually just lost their, their first game of their series against the Suns, even though they were they are actually projected to win the series over the Suns, being a seven seed over a two seed. Uh, that's just like very rare to have them projected to win, but it has a lot to do with the Lakers injuries that they've dealt with, obviously, between LeBron and Anthony Davis. If you have them healthy on the court, that changes everything, uh, even though they did not play that well in, in game one, so they're going to have to pick it up. But um, it's just exciting to have all these sports happening. I was really reflecting on about a year ago when we had nothing to watch. It was actually painful how little sports were around. I think a couple golf tournaments might have picked up in like June or something, but there was not much to watch and it was sad and I missed it. And to be sitting there, especially yesterday, Sunday, just flipping through channels to make sure I was keeping up with everything happening, whether it was the PGA Championship or um, there was a great, well, it wasn't a great Indians game. They ended up losing, but um, fun stuff was happening in the game when it was super close in the uh, last inning before they had to go into extra innings. Um, and then we had, like I said, playoff basketball and just lots of exciting things happening. So I'm still always most ready for football season. I want that to come back. I'm trying not to wish time away. But football is just the one thing that we always look forward to most. Uh, so I just... I can't wait for it to come back. Um, but that is all I have for you guys today. Uh, if you could please, please leave a reviewer rating on Apple Podcasts, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. I'd really appreciate it. It definitely always feels good to see people listening and interacting with it. So I appreciate all of you and I will catch you on the next one.